listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Joel 2, 12 through 13 goes like this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Do you really mean it? It's a question you've probably asked before. If you're a parent, it's what you say to your kids after their half-hearted apologies, when they've hurt their brother or sister and they know it, but they're dragging their feet as they mumble another canned, I'm sorry. Well, do you really mean it, we demand? The answer's pretty obvious. It's how we quiz our husband or wife after an argument, when they sarcastically admit that, surprise, surprise, maybe they were in the wrong after all, or at least they weren't completely in the right. So they apologize, and they're saying all the right words, but is it genuine? Is it real? Is it authentic? Or are they just going through the motions? Do they really mean it? It's the question we use to interrogate our favorite celebrities and influencers on social media when they issue another public apology video for a bad tweet or insensitive statement. I'm so sorry, they say. Right, we wonder, but do you really mean it? Or are you just saying it to appease your followers and save face? Do you really mean it? Well, if God were asking that question to the Israelites in today's passage, it's pretty clear that their answer would be in the negative. Israel had sinned greatly against the Lord, chasing after the false gods of the nations surrounding them. And as a result, God warns of an invading plague of locusts, which will come to destroy their land and their crops. The day of the Lord is coming, he says, and it won't be a happy one. It will be full of wrath and judgment against their sin. The day of the Lord is great, Joel says. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? But there is still hope for repentance. Rend your heart and not your garments, Joel exhorts them. In ancient Israel and in other cultures, and in some modern-day places today, uh, when people go into mourning, they often do so with sackcloth and ashes, crying out in public places and tearing their clothes to show their sincerity. But in the case of the Israelites, all of this was for show. Their outward actions did not accurately reflect their internal attitudes. In other words, there was just this massive disconnect between what was going on in their hearts, and what was going on with their bodies. But God was concerned with their hearts, right? Outwardly, they seemed repentant, but inwardly, their hearts were hard. Their repentance, their confession of wrongdoing, it was all just robotic. They were simply going through the motions, saying the right words, but they didn't really mean it. Fake repentance is a real thing. We've all seen the crocodile tears... The insincere displays of emotion, usually with our kids, but sometimes with full-grown adults. 
Outwardly, it looks like genuine sorrow, but sometimes it's just a cunningly devised deception, more emotional manipulation than sorrow. Saying I'm sorry isn't the same as meaning it, is it? It's not true repentance. True repentance means that our hearts and actions are in total alignment. Joel puts it this way, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With how much of your heart? All. (laughs) All of your heart. Every last nook and cranny. Not 50% of your heart. Not 90%. 100% of your heart. This is true repentance. Turning, or for Christians, returning to God, which is really what this word repentance means. It means to have a change in mind or to to turn, to do a U-turn. It means turning or returning to God with all of our hearts to confess our sins and receive repentance. So the answer to the question, are you really sorry for what you did? Do you really mean it? Should always be this full-hearted, full-blooded, yes, I am. Now, that's a tall order. As I was reflecting on this passage, I thought of some of the times in my own life when I had to confess and ask forgiveness, and believe it or not, Elam Church, as your pastor, I've had to do this more than once. And uh, I'm really glad, I gotta say, I'm, I'm really glad that the question, how many sins have you committed, didn't come up in my interview with the call committee. No, I'm just saying... But when the time comes to confess and repent, so often we have reservations, don't we? Sure, like, I'll admit my fault. I'll admit some wrongdoing. I'll own up to that. But there's usually some little part of me that wasn't totally into it. You know what I mean? There was some tiny little part of me that held back, that wanted to justify myself, or that didn't think that what I did wrong was really all that big of a deal. So, do I really mean it? Am I really confessing and repenting with all of my heart, as Joel commands? Well, if we're issuing authentic apologies here, most of the time, mine would go something like this. I'm sorry. Mostly. (laughs) I mean, perhaps you can identify with this. These moments are more frequent than we care to admit. If we're brutally honest with ourselves, the answer to the question, do I really mean it, is always going to be, at least partially, no. All of our repentance is half-hearted because we are sinner saints, beloved by God because of Christ, yet still walking around with this old sin nature. The good news for us, though, is that God's forgiveness is not dependent on the quantity or quality of our repentance, whether we're truly sorry or mostly sorry or 30% sorry. No, God doesn't forgive us based on the purity of our repentance, but on the purity of the blood of his Son. See, we are saved by faith, not by our repentance. Hebrews 10.14 says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And we hear this promise from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, 7. 
He says, in him, that is Christ Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Forgiveness comes through Jesus. And all that's left is for us to believe it. Martin Luther, in a sermon on this topic, says this, quote, The forgiveness of guilt is granted to no one on account of the worthiness of his contrition over his sins, nor on account of his works of satisfaction, but only on account of his faith in the promise of God. He goes on, and listen closely because this part is is so good. He says, quote, You should not be debating in the first place whether or not your contrition is sufficient. Rather, you should be assured of this, that after all your efforts, your contrition is not sufficient. This is why you must cast yourself upon the grace of God, hear his sufficiently sure word in the sacrament, accept it in free and joyful faith, and never doubt that you have come to grace, not by your own merits or contrition, but by his gracious and divine mercy, which promises, offers, and grants you full and free forgiveness of sins, in order that, in the face of the assaults of sin, conscience, and the devil, you thus learn to glory and trust, not in yourself or your own actions, but in the grace and mercy of your dear Father in heaven. End quote. Man, <laughs> amen and amen, am I right? So, am I sorry enough? Do I feel bad enough? Are the tears real or just crocodile tears? Am I sincere enough? Do I really, truly mean it? Well, those questions don't have to haunt us anymore. Because Jesus is enough. As we wrap up our time together tonight, we remember that today is Ash Wednesday, when we kick off the season of Lent. By the way, the word Lent, it just means spring in Latin. This 40-day period of preparation as we approach Holy Week, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and, and Easter, when we remember all of the events in the last week of Jesus. At a lot of churches, ashes are placed on people's foreheads in the shape of the cross to remind them of their own mortality. You see, life is short. We don't get to be here all that long. We so often forget that, that from dust we are taken, and to dust we will return. So bearing that in mind, may we approach this season with humble, contrite spirits, aware of how messed up and broken this world and our own hearts really are. But may that knowledge be eclipsed by an even greater awareness of the God who loved the world so much that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkj, 
O-L-H-A-U-G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.